This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. This is Mike White. Oh, f- something just happened with me. It like spoke back to me. Sorry. It's the longest Twitter handle ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. This is uh, this is Mike White. You can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. Um, if this is your first time listening, you can go and find back episodes at ovpodcast.com. I'm Matt Hurt, and I'm joined with Mike and Tiny, as always. Hey, guys. Hello. And Hello. Else? And if it's not your first episode, thanks for coming back. Yes, thank you. Um, and yeah, and we're joined today in studio by our friend Robert Feckus. Hi, Feckus. Hello, guys. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So what the uh, feck is he doing here? <laughs> that know, was obvious. I'm that 30 years obvious. old, and that's the first time anyone's ever tried to make that with wow. my last name. Congratulations, uh, sir. That is awesome. <laughs> you're, you're letting this go far enough to make me believe you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, if you recognize his voice, you may remember him from episode 60, uh, our, one of our uh, – Wow, uh, what was that? Popcon episodes. Popcon, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was at the one one hour sixteen minute fifty seven second mark. Uh, oh wow, that, that is yeah. specific. Oh, I timestamp the hell out of. And Matt show. just memorized it. I do. Because... Yeah, I play it on a loop all the time. Whenever you send me a Snapchat, I just I have that queued up and I play it as I. <laughs> I would love I'm to believe in. that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so today we're talking about uh, Interstellar, but before we do, I want to bring up a couple things. One, um, a couple things that are kind of related to the kind of sci-fi topic at hand. Um, first of all, there's going to be a new Diamond Lux edition of Gravity that uh, has a scoreless silence in space version of the film hmm. uh, that's going to release in like February Uh and we talked about gravity quite a bit last year, mm-hmm. especially in our space episodes, uh, episode 25 of the podcast. Um, what do you guys think about there being not a score in it and have it just be silence? I think it's appropriate uh, given space. But for me and me and Matt have gone back and forth on this for a while. I Nothing can make me enjoy that movie. Um, it's <laughs> it's a good idea. I like what they're doing with that scoreless uh, uh, set. But. Yeah, it's it's just not going to make me go back to it. Wow, I forgot that you didn't like it. I, I I'm That's so weird. I'm so upset mm. with the love that, but it, and my hatred for it doesn't come from anything uh, having to do with performances mm. or uh, visuals. It's purely physics and story. Okay. And, and story. Hmm. We we talked a lot about the uh, the the cliffhanger scene. Uh, of that it, cliffhanger is correct <laughs> in naming it that. It's that make. I was so angry in the theater when I saw that. I just I wanted to pick something up and throw it. <laughs> wow. Nice. Okay. Well, that'll be released in February. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of curious how it'll play because I, I rewatched the movie today just uh, as preparation for our Interstellar uh, review. Um, and I'm kind of because the the score is amazing. I mm-hmm. love the score of that movie. So I'm kind of curious how yeah. it would, how it would play. Um, and space movies without music are weird. I just think that seems like yeah. a lot of space movies have amazing It just seems music. indulgent. 
Yeah, I, I think. I don't think it's indulgent. I think it's appropriate for the setting. Uh, I mean, given, you know, it's not everything's going to be Star Wars. We're here laser blast going through uh, right. a vacuum of space. I, I, I like the idea. It gives kind of credence to the science behind the movie. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, I could go with like so many scenes of that movie are like they play very well because of the absence of sound. Like the when she's working to get the get the uh, thing dislodged from the debris mm-hmm. um and you see behind her just like the debris is just crashing into everything right. and there's destruction right behind her like for a brief second there's like no sound or anything so i'm kind of curious how it'll how it'll play but um the other two things i wanted to bring up is i saw a couple trailers that uh i want to talk about really quickly one is ex machina i think that's the name of it mm. uh the alex garland movie nice uh, written and directed by him he wrote uh 20 Days Later and Sunshine, two of my favorite movies. And it looks really cool. It looks like a, kind of a mind a, a mind <laughs> of a movie. It's rated R, too. It's like it has something to do with uh, uh, some guy is is put forth as a test for like um, an artificial intelligence kind of thing. I'm, I'm be- very vague about it, and I'm glad because I didn't get that much of the plot from the trailer, but uh, and I want to keep it that way. It, it releases in like April. And I kind of want to keep completely down, like like not know much about it. But I'm looking forward to it because I mean I love Alex Garland, his his writing, his movie, uh, the movies he's written. So he's great. Yeah, it'll be cool. Hopefully, the, have not seen Sunshine. Um, oh, but man. it's Uh-oh. one of it's one of them. <laughs> Let him back, have it, Matt. <laughs> it's been on my back burner, uh, but no, uh, I haven't. I've not seen Sunshine. Okay. I'll I'll tailor my critique of Interstellar accordingly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 really good. Well, I haven't seen Interstellar yet. Should I watch that? <laughs> God damn it! Um, and the last bit of uh, news I want to bring up before we get to the topic is uh, the trailer released for tra- uh, Chappie. Have you guys seen that? Yes. No. Um, no. No. I haven't seen that yet. Really? My first thought, and it looks good, but my my mm. first thought of that was uh, Johnny Five Alive. Uh, oh yeah short circuit but it, it, huh. it, that doesn't take anything away from the trailer i still think it looks very good and i really hope his uh that director's third movie uh, i expected way too much out of uh elysium uh, yeah. and I, w- I was let down it wasn't a bad movie it's just it wasn't uh district nine right uh, right but uh i'm looking forward to chappy yeah yes it looks pretty cool um, you know, yeah. this this kind of goes against everything we're doing on this podcast, but I'm <laughs> I'm kind of over teasers. I'm I'm just tired of just being inundated with all the stuff that we're supposed to know mm-hmm. going in. And I did a pretty good job of avoiding everything Interstellar, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, and I just I've consistently had better movie experiences where I don't look at any of the teasers, um, which is funny. Kind kind of leads into our conversation today. Right. About how excited you got about the uh, about the teaser for Interstellar? Yeah, which we talked about in uh, it was movies our, our movie uh, Christmas movies episode last year, um, uh-huh. and I actually put the teaser at the end of that episode. But um, we talked about it in the potpourri section, and I mean, I get it. Yeah, I'm I'm over it too. And like any time I saw trailers for Interstellar, like that was the only trailer like I saw in full of Interstellar was the teaser trailer. Um, uh-huh. But I would close my eyes in the theater to not see anything <laughs> mm-hmm. of it. Yep. Um, so put your fingers in your ear and say la la yeah. la too. So and like I got I got pissed off because I was like, oh crap! Now I know that someone sees something and says mountains and they say that it's waves or something. I'm like, oh, that's a gonna whatever. But um, but yeah, just because I heard that. But yeah, but to, our topic today is Interstellar. We we've all seen it. I've seen it twice. 
Um, I have a bunch of notes for it. <laughs> and uh, it, I, I'll bring us into it by saying that I waited seven years for this movie to get made because when I started working as a security guard, I worked nights and I was really bored and I would browse IMDb. And about seven or eight years ago, I found Interstellar's page, which at the time it was attached to uh, Steven Spielberg. And so I would check it, check back on it periodically. I'd see the see the message boards for it saying like, oh, this could be Spielberg's two, uh, 2001. And I got really excited about it and everything. And then uh, – Oh, that's fine. And then uh and then when uh Inception came out, I was like, Oh my god, that uh that zero gravity fight scene in the hallway of the hotel. Yeah, um brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. I was like, Yeah, he needs to make a space movie and Jonathan Nolan is attached to Interstellar, maybe Spielberg gets a little busy, maybe it goes to Nolan. And that's what happened. <laughs> and I'm like, All right, awesome. So I was really looking forward to it and uh I was just I didn't connect to it the way that I wanted to or expected to. Like I, I went. You in, couldn't possibly have. Yeah, yeah. seven that's, years of anticipation. You couldn't is, possibly. Have. But that's the thing. I didn't. I didn't have it built up quite that much because I, I was. That is a lie. That's correct. It's a lie, whether you think it or it, not. I, I have created Christmas for yourself. I, I have a story to to you know refute that. We were okay. walking, we were walking out of. The Dark Knight Rises, yeah. which which I loved, and me and Matt and Tiny and Ray's brother, we all went to go see the midnight showing of that. Oh, yeah. Ray's brother almost got into a fight with a guy over seats, but or uh, Matt's brother almost got into a fight over uh, seats with a guy. But oh yeah, neither here nor there. But walking out of that movie, I remember Matt specifically saying that Christopher Nolan now needs to do a space opera movie, and mm-hmm. so even yeah. even before. Before it was announced, <laughs> you had. I loved you, you before so you into- were born, yeah. says Matt. Okay. <laughs> I. Okay. Yes. I'm I sure was- you think you did the best job possible not setting yourself up. But the first thing you said, Matt, was mm-hmm. I've been waiting seven years for this movie. I have been. I have, and I, I will clarify and say that, yes, I did have high expectations for this. But when I was in, the, when I was in line at the theater, I wasn't. Like I wasn't like saying like oh I'm gonna have like a religious experience watching this movie I'm like I'm excited to see you this may movie. not have said that but your Facebook posts implied that <laughs> <laughs> either way I've seen it twice now and I still couldn't really connect to it so what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about it talk about our feelings toward the movie and then eventually we'll get into more spoiler specific uh, discussions about it so we'll we'll eventually spoil the movie but right now I just want to give kind of kind of a broad idea about what we felt about it and uh yeah basically i'll just say i was not as enthralled by it as i wanted to be and i was uh left a little disappointed and uh despite my expectations for it i i you know i don't think that it's i don't think it was a fault of me having too many expectations for it and i and i have like little bits and pieces that i i kind of I feel like I have I have honest like I have grounded reasons for not connecting to it the way that uh, that I expected to. Um, so, Tiny, what do you think of it? I loved it a lot. It's uh, currently my favorite movie of the year, my top movie of the year. Um, I was beyond inspired by it. I thought it was just awe inspiring. Um, I love the technical aspects of it. The fact that a lot of people are comparing it to Gravity, um, understandably so. They're both space epics, but. Um, the technical aspects of both the movies are just massively different, and I think you get 
you get you can tell that by watching them because gravity was 90% CGI. I don't know about 90, but like probably 60-70% CGI. I think 90 was probably more accurate. Maybe 93. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. um Interstellar was like 10% CGI. Right. So that's a huge difference there. That you know that they went for that kind of reality. So uh, I loved it. I was blown away. I I didn't have I have high expectations for any Nolan movie because I think he's I think he kind of welcomes that mm-hmm. uh, himself. Chris, me and my buddy Chris. <laughs> I call him Knowles. I've yeah. referred to him as Christ Nolan. <laughs> so, yeah. Yikes. But you didn't have Yikes. high expectations for the movie. Anyway. I, <laughs> Overly high expectations for the movie. Anyways. Anyway. Um, so I think I think he kind of welcomes that. And so I don't think it's it's irrational to have those kind of expectations. But it, it, met, it met my expectations, definitely. Okay. Yep. Uh, Mike, what did you think of it? Um, I really, really liked it a lot. I, I didn't – I kind of come down in the middle of the two of you, but I also didn't have the same expectations. Um, I think we we give a little too much credit for Chris Nolan on this podcast, uh, and I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit because if we think about some of the last, the last three movies he's involved with, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, which wasn't perfect, Man of Steel, which is uh, an abomination. Well, he uh, wasn't – he was – he produced yeah. Man of Steel. Uh, yeah, but he was also a creative consultant. I, I think he the 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 line of what involvement he had is not clear. But I, I have to um, believe a lot of that though is promotion for the movie. Like, look who also was involved in this movie. I, the creator of the yeah, Dark you're Knight. right. You're right. You're right. Um, but but then also there's there's uh this movie and and so I just. I don't. I don't think he's Christ Nolan, um, I, and I think this was a good example of the fact that he's not Christ Nolan. Um, I think he did a lot of great things in the movie. Uh, visually, I don't think it comes close to Gravity, and I, and I made a point last year to talk about the visuals in Gravity and how amazing they were, and how I predicted that he would Quran uh, would win. Um, best director, and he did, and right. I was that, pleased about that. That was obvious, um, and I, even I believe he deserved that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I don't think this will, and and I don't think it should. Um, a lot of Nolan's movies, he does a a lot of really really cool things visually, but almost everything he does is in service to a cool story. Um, and like Fekas, your complaint about Gravity was the story lacked. Well, of course it did, but that was a movie about visuals, it, and that's why it didn't win Best Picture. No. It wasn't the lack of story. It was the uh, choices for some of the characters in the story. Gotcha. I'll elaborate, um, but 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 this is about story. Okay, so um, you know, I, I didn't go in thinking that I was going to see the the best, the most visually stunning movie I've ever seen. Um, it was fun to look at. But I don't think it was amazing to look at. It's weird because I sound like I'm coming off negatively about it. But after I watched the movie, I would say I was blown away. And everybody I saw the movie with, I I was was also blown away. Um, so we liked it a lot. It's it's definitely not my movie of the year. But I, but I think I'm going to come down between the two of you, Matt and Tiny. Okay. To, and to be clear, when I say Christ Nolan, I'm speaking facetiously. I <laughs> I I'm talking about him as a filmmaker. I loved his, I love his movies. But I'm not. I don't view him as a deity. I notice the complaints in the movies. I mean, The Dark Knight Rises, for example, the idea that Bane would stay on a plane with 
a passed out Bruce Wayne, fly him across the world to this prison, and then like just to explain to him, like, oh, I'm going to make you watch watch Gotham burn. Do like, it that's in the band voice. Do it in the band voice. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, we're going to make Gotham burn. <laughs> I can't do a voice. <laughs> Uh, so, Fekus, what did you think of Interstellar? I absolutely love this film. Um, to me, it, it's not the best movie I've seen this year. It's probably the second best. Nightcrawler, to me, uh, blew me away. Oh, but Interstellar just hit me on so many levels. Uh, emotionally, it, it, to me, the characters, I, I connected with them so much. And I, I hate to say it, but this is only the second movie I've ever cried at. And I did cry. Um Homeward Bound being the first one. <laughs> That's like 20 years in between movies, by the way. Who said I you saw didn't it? cry? I saw it last year. <laughs> oh. Right. No. I thought you meant in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Interstellar, to, and I agree, it's not a perfect film. There there are very few perfect films in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I kind of made the same reference on my Facebook page. It, I, I compared it to a piece of uh, a piece of art, uh, a painting. It's not perfect, but there's so many things in it that I appreciate, and it moves me on, on that level. And the story was just was one of them. And I agree, the visuals are not on par with uh, with Gravity, but they're not supposed to be. the The, the no. concepts, um, the character development, the science that that to me was the focus of this film, and he he nails it uh, for me. Now there there's all kinds of uh, shades from other directors in the film. There's with the epic shots in space, which I thought were beautiful. It was very Kubrick, very 2001. Uh, character react, uh, interactions, very Spielberg. And, you know, it's he's had ha- a hand in the movie anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's it's obvious he was there. But to me, it, it all just came together just to make it a, a wonderful, f- wonderful film. And I couldn't have been more blown away by it. it and it's funny because it almost lost me at the beginning. Um, and not to get too spoilerific on it, but with the uh, how he ends up finding the the secret NASA base, it, it almost lost me right there because I, until it came full circle, right? And it, I was I was on board there, but I, I love this film, and I even hate comparing it to Gravity, but I know mm-hmm. the reasons for comparing it to Gravity, right? And uh, to if I could speak about first of all the whole secret NASA thing. Um, but while I was watching, it, I was like, "This is like this is like a, the movie version of uh, uh, Barney's uh, the SNASA play in How I Met Your Mother." So anyway, not a watcher of that show, but ah, uh, it's good. Yeah. Anyway, um, don't bother. Oh, that's a topic for another podcast, actually. Um, anyway, um. Yeah, to talk about the 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 visual effects first of all, it, and I wrote a review on on the website, um, and I, I said that it it doesn't achieve visually anything that overpasses um, gravity's visual effects, and I I stand by that. Gravity's just a, an amazing state of the art. Movie. Uh, well, yeah. I mean that's that's obvious, but that was gravity's purpose as right. well. It was. They created so many filmmaking techniques just for gravity oh, yeah. that it, if it didn't win. You know, choreography, mm-hmm. Oscars, and directing Oscars, it would have been a shame. But that's that's not the focus of Interstellar. Right. You know, he, he's using things that have been done before. He, he did some innovative things as well. He, they did. Very he did. practical effects. They used mm-hmm. – when they're doing some of the scenes in the spaceship, they were showing film from – 
that they'd already shot from space. So it gives the actor something to look at besides yeah. the green screen. And I'm sure everyone saw that promo in the movie yeah. theater. But And for a second I thought, like, wait, did they not use any green screen in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> and then I immediately, like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, they, they did. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting technique, too. Because, I mean, you could see the actors play off it so much better. Absolutely. Um, but what he – and, and I'm – Fully, fully prepared to admit that I, I have egg on my face because the movie is visually stunning and it's not. I, I stand by my statement that it's not gravity level, but he does do some incredible stuff visually. Like it's, and it's like talking about the science of it. It's like he's depicting hard science, like showing like wormhole, like traveling through wormholes, and in the black hole imagery and and stuff is just jaw droppingly, just stunning. Um, and that's stuff that that's all theoretical and and that's not that's not um not something that you've really ever seen i, I that's something I really appreciated about the movie too it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't treat the audience like idiots there was mm-hmm. some there was some hard to explain and hard to understand science in the film, but it didn't go out of its way to treat me like an idiot like right. i I'm not an expert on the theory of relativity, but i I have a basis knowledge of how it might be worked right. in real life. So with, with scenes or uh, when when they go down to the planet that's close to the black hole, I really appreciate that they didn't spend a half hour dialogue explaining to me why the time has been uh, right. pushed forward so much. Yeah. So it's it, – if you don't know much about science, you might be a little confused, but it doesn't, sure. it doesn't treat the, the viewer like an idiot. So you know, it's, it's not Armageddon. <laughs> I would say at times they do. <clears throat> I think the whole diagram where he shows what a wormhole does with the piece of paper, that was for us. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, Matthew that, McConaughey knows that information. <laughs> the, uh, that's All right. Touche on that. You're right. Um, it wasn't uh, Sam Neill explaining it to a group of people in Event Horizon. The exact same explanation was given in that. <laughs> that's but, right. But no, you're right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's also one of my problems I had with it. Not that specifically, but it's like they wait until right before they go through the wormhole to explain like what travel, what a wormhole is and all that. And that's a fault, I think, in the script in that there is no – how can I explain this? The, the first 20 minutes of the movie is all Earth stuff, d- establishing stuff with him and his daughter. That's that's fine. I, I that's That's okay. But – then it jumps right to like they find secret ass and then oh he's suddenly oh he's he's going into space right now and it's like well the, it was a mission that they would they were already planning that it well, was you, it was gonna happen yeah but I kind yeah of but wish... it's still like they went tomorrow yeah and it was like that's ex- that's excessively quick there's a three hour it's a three hour movie <laughs> I mean and that, exactly it's it's a three hour movie and they couldn't fit in I feel like honestly my big problem with the movie is it's cluttered with stuff. And I feel like they couldn't – like he could have included like a scene where – that showed them like at least interacting with one another pre-mission. And uh, without that, there is no – like, okay, Wes Bentley's character and uh, the guy that plays Romilly. Uh, they're the other two – the other two people on the mission. I know nothing about them. I know that Romilly no. doesn't like doesn't like flying or, or needs, needs a lot of drama mean. And Wes Bentley's character, I'm like – I. I know literally nothing about him. I got more, I got more character development out of the crazy person that, um, the crazy person after uh, in in the Dark Knight that was wearing Rachel Doss's name tag after the uh, 
at the at the funeral. Right. Um, I got more character and development for him than I did for one of the one of the four people on the mission to save humanity in Interstellar. That that is a fault. And you know what? The thing is, could we use another twenty minutes? Because I think we can cut. You can cut twenty minutes out of this movie. Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. Is it's funny you said your big problem with it was that it was cluttered, but then you said there's not enough character development. It's kind of silly. It's and- cluttered with stuff that isn't character development. Right. So, but what I'm saying sure, is, yeah. what what would you have to say? What good parts of the film would you have to sacrifice in order to develop Wes Bentley's character and the other character? I would. Have made... I think you can drop the sun entirely at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, you really can because <laughs> McConaughey does. <laughs> really, yeah, he, he does and forget the fact that he has another Casey job. Casey Affleck at the end was no revelation. Like I was like, why this character? Well, uh, no. You can completely drop Topher Grace. See, you basically well, well, did. Well, uh, well, he's. I don't. Honestly, that's that's silly to me because I think people are focusing on on that just because it's Topher Grace. I agree one hundred percent with it's that. It's like it's he's okay. just he's a character that was there for um um uh, his daughter to bounce things off of. Like that character needs to be there. People are just focused on the fact that it's Topher Grace. Right. If, that, if that were a completely different actor, a no name actor, I don't think it would have been as near as big of issue. Right, and it shouldn't be just because. You know, you don't. Maybe Topher Grace really wanted to work with Christopher Nolan. This was his chance. I I don't have a problem with picking a known actor for a, me, a small role. Right. He had like ten or fifteen lines. I mean, if you remove right. him, it doesn't do anything. It, like, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. It, it he was made to be. He, uh, can we go into spoilers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So just so you guys know, we're going to start spoiling the movie. If you want to stick around for Popery, check the show notes, and you can go to if we do Popery. I don't know. We might run out of time. But anyway, um, spoilers on. Topher Grace's character is the whole end point, and I don't know where I don't know if we should like jump around or anything like that. But the whole point where there's this really just, shitty, um, uh, where's my notes on it? There's there's this really shitty, um, basically Topher Grace's character and Casey Affleck. Like there's a conflict between Murph and Tom created specifically to make tension for her big like um oh, the ghost is my dad reveal and it's just well that and he wanted and Nolan wanted a linear two two stories happening at once kind of thing in that in that it's like he up. made the decision to do that and then and then figured out what he wanted to say yeah and it and it comes across as clunky like there's a scene where um uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey discovers that Matt Damon is is like evil or whatever, or is out to get or is know. like da- e- evil. I he's don't... dangerous. He's he's a danger. He he okay. he when he realizes that he's a danger, and it cuts right from that scene straight to Topher Grace like checking checking the kid's breathing, and I'm like I like I kind of laughed a little bit the second time I saw it because I was like, that's just it's so. Crooked. It's 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 jagged. It's like you're cutting between these two things. There's it's really it's pretty compelling what's going on on the ice planet. But then you're going to this whole manufactured thing where like why doesn't why doesn't Casey Affleck want to want to have his family leave there? It, it, there's not really much ex- explanation. They explain that his son died. His first son died. And then they have a doctor there telling him, like, yeah, you guys need to leave here right now because these guys aren't in good health. And then he's like, we're not leaving. We're staying right here. Like, how much of a f***ing ass 
is, is Casey Affleck if he's not going to let his if he's just going to let his family die just to stay on the farm? How much of his behavior though is somewhat paralleled with uh, Matt Damon's? You're talking about Casey Affleck is a person that's almost shut off from the rest of the world, trying to work and save his father's creation, the farm. And you're talking about Matt Damon, who's shut off from everything, trying to work and save humanity. So there's going to be some sort of dementia involved with both these characters, even at some sort of, even if it's a minimal amount. But I, I kind of like the parallels between the two. Uh, both of them are in imminent danger from a person who, at some point had good intentions but had also been uh, clouded with his isolation so i i don't necessarily consider it jagged there needed to be some sort of tension for the coming jessica chastain scene in the room so there had to be a reason why she couldn't stay there forever but i kind of like the the two characters you know meaning well but get lost along the way and I, I like the idea, and I loved the idea in this movie that uh, despite the the distances of this mission, it was still uh, – Christopher Nolan kept the, the story tethered to Earth because he showed us you know what was going on back on Earth and because you know a huge part of the success of the mission depended on what happens on Earth. So that's why I, I really was not bothered by them cutting back and forth between Earth and the mission. That really didn't bother me at all. I think it came um, in too late. I, I disagree. I, yeah. I feel it like... It does come like, what, an hour and a half into the movie? Yeah, something yeah. like that. But you, you have to have that reminding of what, what's at stake with this mission. It, it's humanity. Right. So it's all these relationships that could no longer be should this mission fail. So uh, there, there should be some tension, and there needs to be a constant reminder that, in fact there is a whole world that depends upon this. It, you can't disconnect yourself from, from Earth. Plus 23 years had passed. So, yeah, you know, it makes sense. Okay, sure. Uh, one thing that I want to bring up, um, this, but, is, this is not really a compl- – I, I, I noticed this the second time I saw it. I don't really – this isn't like a big like, this is proof that Nolan's movie is, is – this is why I didn't like it. This is just a minor nitpick that I want to get your guys' reaction on. Hmm. So – it's the movie kind of made me kind of realize the way that Nolan names characters a little bit. Like, I mean, I don't know. Oh like, God, man! <laughs> yeah. Right, the enemy of man is man. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just like in Inception when the when the uh, when Cobb's wife's name is Mal. Yeah, uh, yeah. as a malevolent that's, that's character. That's bad yeah. in Spanish. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then, uh, and then I mean, just like just. I mean, following and Inception both have a character named Cobb, and then here we have Coop. It's like it's uh, it's just it's kind of but but I'm kind big... of ashamed that I've never noticed noticed <laughs> this. Oh, I I started noticing this after after the first viewing of Interstellar, but this is the one that I that I noticed at the uh, during my second viewing. I was like, okay, so so after the 23 years pass, which we'll get to that scene because that's that's a. Like I will say that that's an incredible scene where he's seeing the video stuff, um, but he Casey Affleck's like, oh yeah, here's here's your grandson. We wanted to name him Coop, but you know she didn't want want me to or whatever. And then we find out that that kid dies, and then he did name his other kid Coop or Cooper. So all I'm thinking is, so his name is Cooper Cooper. That. You you know I have a legitimate uh, real life experience of that. The, really, there, there is a uh, coworker of mine 
who's uh, it's not exactly the same, but her her last name was Keeler before she got married. Now she's married and it's uh, Remke, but she named her daughter Keeler. So huh. it it's not completely. My father in law's name is Frederick. Frederick. See, really, Boom. really, man, don't wow. you feel silly. It happens huh. from time to time. See, I I don't know. It just seems so weird to me. It it felt like I mean walk I outside of the world, Matt. You'll, you'll discover things. <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah. it kind of bothered me, but it was, like I said, it's a minor, minor nitpick. Because um, the whole time I'm thinking, like, okay, we don't know McConaughey's name. Like, I, I'm, like, under the impression, like, okay, well, maybe his name's Coop. Maybe that's just his name is Coop Cooper or something. Coop Cooper. Coop Cooperston. Yeah. Or something. And then, like, I noticed the name tag says Cooper, so it's like Coop, Cooper. what's a vagina? And then... <laughs> 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 and then and then they there he wakes up on Cooper Station. I'm like, okay, well that is definitely his last name. And then I was like, wait, his grandson's name is Cooper. But yeah, so like I said, that's a minor nitpick. It's also but, his daughter's last name though too. Yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. Then they made a big like, oh yeah, it's actually your daughter. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, like I was like trying to say, I was trying to think like maybe his first name's Coop or something. But then they like made sure like yes, it's not that's not or the maybe first. Maybe he name. just really loved chicken coops. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it's supposed to be coup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um. You know what this movie did? This movie this movie made me realize um, something about how I feel about reading reviews and listening to reviews. But And I don't mean to indict us. Please continue listening, <laughs> listeners. And please keep listening. This to whole thing is about. pointless. <laughs> But when the movie was over, I was just thrilled and delighted by what I had just seen. Uh, and then when I read some reviews and I started to think about some of the some of the plot holes and some of the wormholes, uh, there were things I started to dislike, uh, and that that felt like a problem to me. Yeah, I, and I don't know why because I just I just enjoyed the movie so much, and I and I wondered why I couldn't leave it at that. So. Hmm. Um, just to switch it up, I kind of want to talk about something I liked so very, very much. Yeah. One of the things that Nolan doesn't do well is is human emotion and that humans have emotions. <laughs> um, but the scene where they come off the, the water planet and yes. 23 years had passed is one of my favorite Nolan scenes ever. Mine too. I, I have it in my notes. The 23 years of video messages is one of the most poignant and moving scenes Nolan has ever directed. Aha. There um, we go. We yeah, and I'm, yeah, and it's – uh, actually, the Slash Filmcast did a really good, had a really good take on it. One of the guys on there mentioned that it's basically the uh, depiction of it is basically what uh, what humans have been doing for uh, forever. Like it's it's basically he he's when when a relative dies or something, it's you know people pray and and all that, and they imagine that their relatives looking down on them and stuff. And this is literally like that is scenario played out in a logical way that's 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 hmm. that makes sense and it's just it's a very moving scene um mm-hmm. and it's just it's really well well done i mean it's just seeing yeah. like i i teared up quite a bit when i saw that in the second viewing so yeah what'd you guys what'd you guys think yeah that was touching <laughs> I, I agree 100 percent agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't really add to that much <laughs> we agree you love the movie <laughs> <laughs> The best movie of the year. <laughs> um, Besides Dumb and Dumber too, right? <laughs> I have. I don't. I don't have high hopes for that movie. You had hopes. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So going back to Tom to to his son. 
and how I'm uh, Fekus, you made a good point that that yes the the parallel between him and man and and being like an excuse for for Jessica Chastain to have you know a reason to not have to be there to work it out um but when when Coop wakes up at Cooper Station, there's no reference to Tom whatsoever. It's like like they, they could have easily, easily spent like four or five seconds, maybe a little longer, maybe ten seconds of, of screen time with someone saying like, yeah, your son died years ago. And just have like a reaction like, okay, okay, like that. But there's no reference. I, I agree. There perhaps should have been a reference. But you, you also have to think, what, what's the timeline on that? What? How long has it been since that that scene? And was it forty, fifty years, something like that? I mean, that's that's a long time. Would would you expect the person to uh, who come to contact with Coop? That would be the first thing that he's going to talk about. Uh, but no, it's going to be the historical figure of his his daughter. It's like this is Coop Station named after <laughs> daughter okay. made this ridiculous discovery. She's still alive. Oh my god! Yeah, he probably should have wondered about uh, Tom. <laughs> we'll have but... like someone on the station be like, "Okay, well, this guy has been traveling through space and time and all that stuff. This is pretty instantaneous for him, so maybe we'll just mention that his his prick son died." You know, <laughs> uh, you, age. I, I might have liked because uh, I, I really enjoyed at the very beginning when they're doing the interviews with uh, the people that maybe have Tom be one of the interviewees. Because yeah. you don't know what happens yeah. to Tom afterwards. Maybe he comes to his senses at some point and realizes, you know. Oh, you mean the douchebag. When Harry Met Sally montage? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wasn't crazy about that. Oh, you weren't? I, I wasn't. I, really? I kind of like how it – I don't know if I even liked how it tied together at the end. I thought mm. it was kind of like uh, – it kind of kind of – it felt like it was it was establishing the establishing the, the state of the planet of which they're saving – but uh, it they're been, not saving the planet. Well, they're saving humanity. The conditions that are causing them to have to save humanity. But, um, but yeah, and and I was just like, they could have just said, like, they showed it pretty well. It kind of seemed a little redundant. That is um, crazy. I'm sorry. That is a crazy <laughs> opinion. Uh, because basically what they were doing was documenting what happened on Earth. You know, the way right. we document stuff, we write down stuff in books for the future, essentially. Um we make documentaries. That's what they were doing. They were documenting why they left Earth for future generations. Yeah, I'm. I'm not disputing <laughs> that. I understand. I don't see why we needed to see it. Well, I, at least early in the movie. It's a very human and practical approach to it. I, I mean, you take and completely different type of uh, filmmaking, but you take something like uh, Band of Brothers. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite portions of those uh, episodes are the parts where we hear from the people that were involved. Oh, in me it. too. That's exactly what I thought of too. Yeah. So I, I think it's very fitting. You're talking about the most major event in human history, I want to hear what the normal person was going through. But did we need to see it in the beginning of the movie, though? Because then that just kind yes, of... Yes, I think an established... Really? Yes, I, I think... I think it, so, too. Yeah. Really? It not only does it establish the importance of the of the history of what happened, but it also wrongfully establishes him as a farmer early on, uh, which is to say... You know, the one of the themes of the movies is that there is more to humanity and there's more to humans. And they kind of laugh at the end of the movie. He's like, you told him I like farming and she kind of laughs about it. So they established early on that he's a farmer. And then we're throughout the movie. We're like, oh, he's definitely not just a farmer. Well, we know that he's not just a farmer throughout, like but even early. But it's like being on the inside of an inside joke. You yeah, kind of. Yeah. You're talking about people that don't have a personal uh interaction with this historical figure 
but it's fun to see what has been taught and said about him over the the decades. I mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with the the kind of museum kind of thing of his of his farmhouse at the end. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem you with just them don't like showing the inclusion of the scene in the movie. In the beginning of the movie, I it's don't placement. like you don't like yeah. its placement. I don't because that just makes me think like, oh, okay, well, okay, they're recounting what happened. So uh, yeah, and I I mean, this isn't a thought that I have, but it just kind of just feels like. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, humanity wins. Like it's well, all that. I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure it's saying that at the beginning that humanity wins, because my first thought about it was, so what? They save Earth then? And, yeah. And, and so I was relieved at the end to find out it was a little bit more complex than them saving Earth. Right. Right. So it kind of sets up a preconception of what happens at the end, but it was what happens at the end to me at least was a surprise given what I saw in the at the beginning. So okay. I, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just yeah, I, I couldn't I, disagree with you more on this. <laughs> I still just wasn't crazy about it. I, I as it having it the, in the beginning of the movie, but um, when <laughs> the deathbed scene, um, or was it her deathbed, Murph's deathbed? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not necessarily sure that it was her deathbed. It, She's dying. Yeah, but it to me it was more of the farewell scene. Yeah, we're yeah. acknowledging that we're here, but I've lived my life. And I appreciate everything you've done for humanity and for us, but it's time for you to go do the same. I speaking I of was... speaking of deathbed scenes quickly, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Caine pulled a bigger prestige than the movie The Prestige, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then his entire life working on Plan A, beautiful, was beautiful, trick. very true. I, I I like the progression of of Michael Caine in Christopher Nolan movies. Like he's he's kind of. Uh, at least in the last two, like, like, okay, yeah, like, fuck you, Christopher Nolan. You made Michael Caine cry yeah. in uh, in uh, in uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises, and then now you kill him in in and you make him scumbag Steve. In the yeah. process. he's a villain. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, because I love Michael Caine. Oh yeah. Um, oh, who who doesn't? Yeah. Jaws four. Come on. <laughs> but the problems I had with Murph's deathbed scene is that I mean. Yeah, okay, it's a it's a farewell scene. She's lived her life, it's separate from him. He's you know, done his whole thing. But it's like he's he's Coop traverses space and time and helps save humanity all so he can see his daughter again. That's the big emotional hook of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so they have that admittedly it's a very touching moment, but then she basically kicks him out. Yes. And uh, they go through the – even – this is another minor nitpick, but they go through the effort of transporting an old, frail wo- woman and her entire family to a space station. So not, McConaughey can Not see just her. an old – the person that saved humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not just yeah, she's person. It's but not yeah. like they just got Betty from the trailer park and like, <laughs> you just want a trip to the space station. But it's two <laughs> weeks to transport her and her family to McConaughey. Why not just take McConaughey over there? Like why have that have that bit of thing? Probably gonna take two weeks to transport McConaughey over there, and not to get too in depth with what may or may not be happening. (laughs) But you don't know that there's not some like Airbus schedule (laughs) to take other passengers. Like I said, it's just a minor nitpick, but I didn't like that it was just like, just like uh like they they finally have this emotional scene where they finally reconnect, and then she's like, oh yeah, the um. And this, this on second viewing, I kind of thought was a little more poignant that I'm about to make it. But um, when she's like, no, no parent should have to see her, see their kid die. So, you know, run along. 
Um, by the way, here's your entire extended family from the past 30 or 40 years. <laughs> um, but it was more poignant because she makes a big point in her big fight with her brother, like years and decades before that in the movie, uh, where she's, where she like throws in, into his face in, in like a heated moment where she's like, you're going to let your, your, another kid die here. And like, I like, that was a really well, uh, done scene. Uh, I have zero problem with them bringing all of his family to the, that was a minor nitpick on my part, but well, but, yeah, you're, I don't. You're I don't see it. Some of the strangest things. I don't see it as a nitpick because you know they're in the process of moving human humanity off of Earth, and that's where they send them. At that point, are they still uh. moving humanity? Because isn't it just? Oh still... yes. Yeah. 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 They're... Hmm. yeah I don't know. But yeah, they were in the, we need to talk the about. Mine, I don't think. I don't think anybody has the answer to exactly what they're doing. Right. My main concern there was that. Was just that that the whole movie, the emotional point of the movie, the emotional story being told is between Coop and his daughter, and it's tied around so like so intricately and everything. And the payoff of that is a brief scene, and it's a it's a very nice scene. I I, I think you're looking at the wrong scene. I, I, I think, think so too. The payoff is in is in the time and space. Yes. 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 You're you're talking about uh, Coop reconnects with his daughter. When he's in, and I don't even know how to uh, describe it. The Tesseract. It, it, yes. That's the word for it. <laughs> yeah, it. That is literally what it is, the Tesseract. Yeah, you're, you're right, it is actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop thinking of uh, Avengers. Me yeah. neither. Me but neither. yes, but when he's in the te- he's reconnecting with her there. He's right. And she's getting communication from him through the watch, through the books. This is That's how they are reconnecting. I mean, you've got to think... It, that's the last time that he actually gets to experience his, his daughter's passion at that point. And it's while hmm. he's in the Tesseract. Hmm. It, so the, the payoff scene is not, not the farewell scene. It, yeah. And plus you have to keep in mind that she had 12 or 13 years with her dad, but she had like 60 or 70 years with her extended family. Yeah, the, the extended right. family. So she's closer to her extended family. That's so. just a minor thing. That's, <laughs> that's a minor thing that Coop would rather go find Anne Hathaway than say like, oh, hey, by the way, it's nice meeting you guys. That's just a very minor thing. The Besides, thing is, the extended family didn't connect very well with Coop anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the big thing was that the big scene is like him telling her like against John Lithgow's like insistence saying like, like to make promises that he can't keep. He says like, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. That's the big point of it. And so his coming back is granted. Yes, it is. The reconnection is through that, which in the Tesseract, by the way, just the, the way that we see how he interacts with time, just the, the way that it's, I, I, it's hard to explain, but just, yeah. it, it was really cool. Like the way that he yes, moved the, uh, moved the watch and stuff. Yeah. I, I love that scene. I, I love my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Did you guys predict that it would be him at the beginning of the movie that no. he was the ghost? I didn't. Nope. I, didn't, when, I, I did not I even had an think ghost. I, I, I really? thought it was natural phenomenon, and, and that's why I almost the, – the whole coordinates thing, I thought they were going to go with the they, and mm-hmm. I was going to be very upset if it were the they. Speaking of they referring to aliens. Yeah. So it, that's where I almost got lost at the beginning, but I loved how it wrapped you guys are going to hate me so much, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so nervous to say uh, this no. because – it's like I'll just read what I put. It <laughs> physically pains me to say this because I hold Nolan's work in such a high regard that this next statement could be blasphemous. And once, Price Price Nolan. Nolan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and once I say it out loud, I won't be able to take it back. Uh oh. It'll be on the interwebs forever. Yes. 
the ending with the Tesseract and the reveal that Coop was the ghost hinged on the emotional relationship between Coop and uh, Murph. But since the pacing of the movie, I felt, was shot to hell. Um, oh, it's such a harsh critique of it. The buildup was too ineffective. Shot to hell, wow. The, yeah. the buildup was too ineffective. They spent a lot of time on, on, on Earth and, and suddenly he's in space. And it's it just seemed disconnected to me that... It just seemed like there should have been a little more, a little more there to him. I I don't know how else to explain it other than it's just it wasn't effective to me. I didn't have that. I wasn't as into the the father daughter relationship as the movie wanted me to be. If that makes sense. You wanted a light show and a and a space fetus. No. <laughs> no. Nice. No, I did not. I wanted to feel emotionally connected to these characters and I just I just couldn't. I I loved the the video messages scene and I and I I felt a really strong pull there, but it was like the the relationship between them. But um you're the only person I've heard say that. I, really? I, I felt only the, person. Yeah, I felt I've read, like here's, an amazing here's the job. problem. Mm -hmm. Here the the better critique and the th critique that I thought you were going to make mm -hmm. is that they tried to quantify and scienceify love. That's kind of a stretch and kind of bogus. Yeah, the the scene with Anne Hathaway explaining why she why they should go to uh, her boyfriend's planet and saying yeah. like love. And I've I've heard people say that that apparently she had trouble with that scene. Yeah, trouble health though. Like that's trouble rough. finding and then emotion. and then also yeah. that that is what helps him find Murph at the end is kind of a stretch. But if you can buy it, they they pull off that she is his emotional pull. I, I buy that that she is his reason for everything that he does. Like that, that's the emotional. Like I, I buy the that. I just didn't find. I couldn't latch onto it. I couldn't connect to it because it felt like there was a lot going on in the movie. Um, I, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound really harsh, but I think it's accurate. I think the you're the problem and not the movie. How, the way you're experiencing how? it is it's, the it's problem. Not you, it's me. How, how exactly am I the problem with the movie? It's it's not your it, seven years of anticipation. Perhaps. No, it's <laughs> because okay, I anticipated because you keep saying I I couldn't connect with it. I couldn't because we had this whole detour of of um uh, of Coop and two people I couldn't give two shits about in Anne Hathaway going onto a planet when when uh, when Wes Bentley's character dies I'm like okay cool they've got more more uh, more, more stuff air more them. air yeah <laughs> like because I literally had no idea what anything about him. And, I think so far the the main legitimate complaint you have is the only one I really agree with is the the cannon fodder uh, crew. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. West Bentley uh, was yeah, completely pointless. Um, and I, I'm not I'm not trying to sway your opinions at all. <laughs> I'm not trying to to I don't know what I'm trying to do. I'm just stating an opinion. Right. I yeah. just I couldn't connect to the story because there was a lot of stuff going on. There was a lot of, like, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what the hell's the deal with this the guy from American Beauty? What's his deal? I'm trying to figure out, okay, they're on the this the guy planet. from Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree, but you know, you, you say, I, I like our conversations like this. I like having the disagreements yeah. and to go back to something what Mike said about his uh, currently critiquing the whole reading of reviews and kind of spoiling, spoiling his uh, experiences, I, I for me it's the complete opposite. It, mm -hmm. Listening to other people's uh, opinions and critiques strength kind of strengthens my my love for not just that movie but movies in general. It, it 
to me, that's what mo- film's all about. It's about bringing up discussion, uh, emotional connection, or mm-hmm. agreements or disagreements about film. It, right. So I, I don't mind your ridiculous complaints about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the... I I don't know I don't know where exactly to go now, but um, <laughs> home just go. I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Matt Damon for 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 a second. I'm going to be in a minority in this, but I loved the reveal of Matt Damon. Oh, I, I, I did yeah. not. Yeah, I had so no I. clue that he was in this film. The only problem that I had with the reveal of Matt Damon was that the f-ing guy next to me was like, "Is that Matt Damon?" Oh. I'm like, "Dude." And he said that earlier when when the when the robots were talking, he's like, "Val Kilmer?" I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm like sitting there and like he was talking like like whispering to his whoever the hell was with him. Perhaps it would have been better had he uh said it like in Team America. Matt Damon. That's, that's what I was going to say. My the, my yeah. biggest problem with it was that I couldn't shout that in the theater. Right. That was my biggest problem. Um but I mean, it seemed like kind of a an easy an easy thing to to have him turn on 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 them. You, yeah. You're right. I, I agree yeah. with you 100. Yeah. percent And mm-hmm. it's funny. I uh, I follow uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on Twitter amongst adult film stars, <laughs> and uh, he he tweeted a, a pretty. He, he actually did a whole list of tweets about mm-hmm. the movie. He did. And one of his tweets was uh, something, and it's not quotation by any means, but travel all the way across the universe find a you know first time we found a planet and god knows how long two men get into a fist fight yeah <laughs> and he's it, it really is yeah you're right so I, I feel like there could have been a better way for for that turn to be made it you know it's, and you know and it's, go ahead Mike. the reason the reason the matt damon thing doesn't work is because it's uh first of all matthew mcconaughey never fails in the movie so you know everything's going to be fine the tent the tension is broken there Uh, and then also when they set up that there are three planets we must go to you know they're making it to that third planet (laughs) (laughs) and that's what Uh, i wish that it was just one planet if they were just going to one planet found matt damon i love the visuals of the of the water planet and all that stuff so that that was the wave was great it was it was uh and in 70 millimeter imax did you see it at the stadium Museum? No, I saw it at the uh, uh, Southside IMAX. It was still beautiful, nonetheless. Right. But I saw it at the at the, I, the second viewing. I saw it at the uh, Traders Point IMAX Limax. I don't even think that's a <laughs> IMAX. It's like it's a digital five IMAX. feet it's, extra of film. Yeah. But the the State Museum IMAX is it's the biggest theater in the state, and it's just it's the only seventy millimeter. Uh, in the state, it's also got mm. the most uncomfortable seats of any movie theater. They suck. You think so? They were oh, terrible. terrible, terrible. I wanted to stand up so bad in the yeah. movie. Huh. Yeah. I, I don't hey, know. I hate those seats. Much of a problem with it. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I just, I, if, like, I, I love that. I love the scene where they realize that Michael Caine's been lying to him. Yes. And then I love that Matt Damon's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, he's, you know, he's just full. Of mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is the whole thing. Um, I love that, and I wish that it was. It could have been like that. Could have been like the conflict of it is like maybe he. I, uh, he didn't need to try to kill Matthew McConaughey. That seemed a little, uh, and I don't. Yeah, why didn't he just say, "Just take me with you"? Yeah, well, that's another thing. I'm trying. What was he trying to achieve? Because he was starved for human contact, and that drove him to forge data so someone would come. He, like, he forged the data to make it look like um, the place was inhabitable. So he he does that, and then I'm like thinking, like, okay, is he just trying to get a ride home? But then. I, I and I think and this is complete speculation, mm-hmm. uh, but he he does forge the data to get human contact again. Human contact arrives, and the chance to complete his missions there. 
Which um, his mission is to save start humanity. a colony. Right, start yeah. a colony. So Plan B. he, you know, Matthew McConaughey has other uh, intentions now with the only spacecraft to save humanity. And he, he's going to do whatever he can to complete his original mission. All, right. Although, you know, a, a bit extreme. I did, I do have problems with the fist fight. However, I love the scene of Matthew McConaughey reconnecting to the hub. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was brilliantly shot. Well, after after the airlock was right. Oh, that right. was one of my favorite it's sequences. It's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson mentioned that as well. He said it's it's the same thing as two thousand one, exactly. But it's spending it's spinning a hundred times faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I I wasn't crazy about the whole fist fight thing. That whole Matt Matt Damon's arc arch basically his mm-hmm. arc throughout the 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 movie. But it's it's I, I guess people going crazy in space, deep space, is like a it's a trope of space movies. You know, True. in two thousand one, it's a computer. Yeah. But um, it's it's. It's pretty realistic, though, and it's it's almost like a space movie's not complete without it, you know? I mean, Steve Buscemi and Armageddon. Out of people place. Yeah. I, I know it's it's just, it's realistic, and movies don't necessarily have to be realistic, but this movie was hyper-realistic. I mean, to, to the extent of human knowledge that we have, you know. There theoretically. Was, the, yeah, theoretical yeah. Realistic. Right. Yeah. Theoretically realistic. Thank you. Um, and so I, I didn't mind that it was there, but yeah, it was a bit of a, a pit stop, I guess. I guess Ren and Sippy did address Space Madness in one of their episodes as well. So. Oh, God. <laughs> Entitled Space Madness. I have, a, I have a counter to that, Tiny. Okay. Why didn't Romilly go crazy? Because he was up there for twenty three years, just isolated, completely waiting for them to come back. He had no, like, he didn't know if they were coming back or not. Well, not everybody. It's not goes everybody crazy. Has to go crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I everybody's mean, different. Hope. It's just. Hope. I think the answer to that is hope. Uh, okay. True. He, there was still hope that they were going to come back. Matt Damon had lost all hope. Yeah. To the point of sabotaging a space expedition by falsifying data. And yeah. I don't want to sound like I'm nitpicking that because I have made like in my mind, I've made concessions like trying to explain to myself like why like that because that bothered me a little bit. It's not a big problem that, that Romilly didn't go crazy and that Matt Damon went crazy. Like I'm thinking like, well, I I don't know if he, like maybe the time dilation affected him in some way too, but I don't think it did. Did it? Uh, are you talking about affecting Matt Damon? Yeah. No, I don't believe it did. Okay. Uh, because that, that would, 23 years? Yeah, because that would add another It should have, but he was in cryosleep. Right, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, no. it, he has been sleeping for 23 years longer than he already was. Yes. Okay. But he, he even says that he would only wake up occasionally, and his right. longest stint being awake was like two years. Yeah. Right. Well, and at that time, he, he didn't set it to wake up. Right. No. Right. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question, and, and I'm so confused about it in the movie. I, I, I don't understand when Romilly's fixing the robot why that explodes. Well, why, why would that be set up to explode? He, Matt Damon had it set up to sabotage in case anybody gets too close to his plan. Yeah, because he was looking, he was looking into the archives, and that's okay. that's what like if any if like if they were to get into the archives, they would find out that he falsified the data. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Which I mean, after <laughs> I mean, after he died, I was just like, man, whew, I'm so affected by it. They're gonna have so much more drama mean on the ship. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but but I do want to talk a little about a little bit of science. The whole thing hinges on they transfer gravity over time. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what they did. Nor what, do scientists today. Yeah, so. no yeah, one. Of course, it's all entirely theoretical. But the way I understand it is that the um. There are theories that time and gravity and in this movie, not to, this is going to sound stupid, but love are mm-hmm. literal forces that can be wielded. 
in other sure, in, I got that. in other dimensions. And so we see the 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 tesseract where he literally uses gravity and time as forces of energy to communicate with his daughter back in the day. Um that's kind of what happens. It's all th- right. it's no, all I theoretical that, and it's, how does that save humanity? It gives are, are you talking about how does the equation save humanity? Yeah, because yeah, they don't go into of, that. It's kind of a MacGuffin. Well, it's kind of it's one of okay. those that the whole plan A hinges on the interpretation of gravity, which, as it stands yeah. right now in the scientific community, we still don't really understand. Right. Mm-hmm. But when in, they it's go into the black theory. hole, I don't believe it. Uh, gravity. Oh yeah, <laughs> six thousand years ago, we were you know poofed into existence. Um, uh, Ten thousand. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when the uh, his co-pilot, the I forget the name of the robot. Which, uh, Tars. Uh, Tars, one of my favorite characters, by the way. <laughs> Me but, too. But when yeah. it when it goes into the black hole, it's going into a theoretical black hole that, as we understand it, manipulates time, space, and gravity. So it has gained the equation and knowledge needed for them to get from space. Because the whole premise of A is manipulating gravity to get off of the planet. Yeah. So, okay. So it. It speeds them up faster. Like I get it. I, I get everything that happened in it, the I black hole. Speed is not really, I don't think, relevant. It's manipulation of gravity, so speed is not necessary yeah. or power. Nice. I, yeah. I, I, I got to be in sixth grade science. <laughs> <laughs> the, so they just jump to uh, Edmonds Planet. Then they they uh, Earth? built, uh, engineered uh, Michael Jordan shoes for the. Uh, <laughs> For the space station, <laughs> God. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with the I, the science or following it. Yeah, all. and the the equation that that um, Matthew McConaughey communicates to his daughter across space and time. Um, that's I feel Matt, like I'm surprised you don't have a problem with it. Me too, really. I, yeah. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> that is Matt doesn't have a problem with the title sequence. It's also <laughs> let me tell you about that. So we see the bookcase. And it's very clear that. Okay. <laughs> The but stand? Did you see the copy of the? I stand? did. I noticed that on the second yeah, viewing, and I so like, did I. I squeed. Oh, I, I did not, but I'm gonna have to go back and see yeah. it now. Yeah, I almost tapped Matt on the shoulder like the stand. I, <laughs> I didn't notice it the first time. Christopher Nolan's gonna direct the stand. It's not. That's not gonna happen, Uh-oh. dude. Don't. And Matt would be so disappointed. <laughs> in it. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anyways. Hack that's... director. <laughs> <laughs> that equation, um, like the whole thing of communicating across gravity and across time and these other dimensions, that's all theoretical. And I guess they can. There's some math to support that it could be true, but the equation is so beyond any kind of theory. It's like it's so science fiction. That they didn't even want to explain it because okay. it's it's it would it would be it would it would be like an anachronism in the movie because mm-hmm. everything else is so grounded in at least some kind of science, but that's just so far out there they didn't really want to go okay. into the specifics. So it is it is the MacGuffin that will get them to Edmund's planet. Yeah, it's it's more of a it, Deus Ex Machina. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not a MacGuffin because it comes up in the end of the movie. <laughs> Which, is sure. is the space station though trying to get to Edmund's planet? I think the space yes. station is just is it. I think See, it's, I, yes, of course it is. That's the whole. But how, how would they know that that's a habitable planet? Because the data is not sent through the wormhole back from Anne Hathaway. It's because um, it they they know it. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It was like a holding place. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Because yeah. if you go in there, if you see when Matthew McConaughey goes to. Uh, 
you know, fly off. Mm-hmm. It, he, there's a bunch of uh, transports that are similar to what they took off in the original mission. So to me, that looks almost like that's their. Those are their probes. Those are going to be their next stage of mm-hmm. finding habitable planets. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily certain that they are off to Edmund's planet. I think they are because because the last shot is seeing Anne Hathaway with the colon like starting the colony. But you're moment. you're the, to me that was showing that's where Matthew McConaughey was off to. Right, that's his right. destination. Maybe not the space stations because Matthew McConaughey doesn't know if Edmund's planet's habitable either. Right, he hasn't been there. He hasn't seen the mm-hmm. data. All he's got is a thumbs up. Murph references it when does she? she? Yeah, she's like she's like go to Brand because you know. Well, uh, okay. yeah. And then yeah. where where are all the people from Earth going? See, I, that's why I think it's a, it's a holding station. It, yeah. Personally, I, I think it's a holding station. It's a staging area. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. To go to where? To wherever they can find. That's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. The, those ships are, are the next probes. That's the new stage of the mission is to continue the search for habitable planets. Mm-hmm. Right. Until they find them, that's where humanity is going to be staying. It reminded me a lot of uh, the Halo arc, actually. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, it yeah. did. Um, it kind of reminded uh, me. See, of... see, here's how I take it. I think that the problem is that we couldn't get—I don't know. Let's say there are three billion people in, on Earth in seventy years or whatever it is, right? Guessing. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. The problem is they couldn't get all of those people to whatever habitable planet they found. So they needed to use this uh, this tangible, quantifiable gravity to propel them to move them through time i don't know again i don't understand the science but to get all of the people that that was the problem is they couldn't before and so now that equation that gives them opportunity a allows them to get to where they need and of course they're going to edmund's planet because that's why they were searching edmund's planet in the first place yeah but they don't know we we, we don't know Edmund's planet is the one that they didn't have a signal for anymore. Right, yeah, the, right uh, but Anne Hathaway made it. Right. Did, but you're talking about after all all the events and everything that she got word back to them. Yes. I don't I don't know that she did though. I that's the th- I don't know how she could have because they can't send send data back except oh well maybe yeah, you of know what? they can. They, well they can't send like video messages, but I'm I'm I will say that yeah, because she could just activate the the beacon again that that, that right. sent them on the mission exactly. in the first place, okay. and that's the whole so, yeah. thing is they they sent the equation back to Murph and she said okay now now we know how to get there now we know how to get to where to one of these planets which one is it oh hey there's a ping from Anne Hathaway yeah and now you dad need to leave me at my deathbed and go to this <laughs> this woman and, and bring her back maybe not bring her back maybe help her with because those she's not gonna leave all those oh, yeah. around. Past third trimester, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I didn't have, a, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think too hard about any of that stuff because I mean we saw Matthew McConaughey go into a black hole and survive, so I didn't, I didn't really think too much about the logistics of really anything else in the movie, um, but it really reminded me of a scene from Futurama. If anyone – you guys watch the show or have you seen, seen no. the show? I not uh, did oh, much pass. of it. Uh, I'm just, just joking. Forget I even said it. Okay. <laughs> no, but there's a scene where uh, the Titanic 2 is getting sucked into a black hole and Bender the Robot's love for the episode got sucked in there too. And Fry makes a comment, <laughs> hey, it's okay. Professor, she could have been sucked into another dimension, right? Ne- she's not necessarily dead. And the professor goes, not a chance. So I, <laughs> 
Good story, Rebecca. So I know. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being on the Obsessive Viewer podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't. It's hard to explain, like my, because you guys are making really good points, and I, I maybe I'll like it more when I watch it a third time. Um, well, I, just I think, like you're not trying to convince us to hate the movie, I'm I wouldn't not, say that we're no. trying to convince you to to enjoy the yeah, movie. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not taking it as a as a three pronged approach to force me to like a movie, but kind of on in in broad terms, it's it felt a little. I wanted it to be a unique Christopher Nolan movie, like all of his other movies. I mean, he he has a very unique take on Batman. Uh, Inception was a very unique heist movie. Mm-hmm. This was just like a Christopher Nolan space movie. I mentioned that in my review, and it's like. But isn't that what you wanted as Christopher Nolan space movie? I wanted to. I wanted a. I wanted a good space movie. I don't. I don't really care if it was Christopher Nolan. I didn't want to be able to pick apart like Christopher Nolan isms, though. Like I mentioned this in my review. Like okay, both of these movies. Like like. Okay, this movie is about a guy who's traveling through like other worlds and and uh uh time and stuff to get back to his kids and it's like it's it's a wit- it's a widowed father is trying to get back to his kids and that's like you can kind of say that about inception or interstellar see i disagree with that <laughs> How can you disagree with that statement it's about a guy trying to get back to his kids <laughs> it's about a guy trying to save humanity no, I think the, it's about a guy trying to get back to his kids. Okay, no, well, I see. Yeah. I, dis, I disagree. Let me say why I disagree. I disagree because at the linchpin of the cl- of the climax, where he has to detach his ship from uh, Anne Hathaway's in order for her to make it to Edmund's planet, he sacrifices himself and puts himself into the black hole, mm-hmm. and in the service of the mission to save humanity, not in the mission for him to get back to his kids. So ultimately, it's about a guy trying to save humanity. He makes the ultimate sacrifice, not to get back to his kids, but to save humanity. And he, you got. I think that was his only option to get back to his kids. I think if he went yeah. to Edmund's planet, there was no getting back. Yeah, when he was going back to Edmund's planet, there was no chance of getting back to his kids. You got Well, yeah, but he, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't think he's gonna go through the black hole and see his daughter again. Right. Well, yeah. He's yeah. going to a black hole where we have That's no right. clue what the fuck's gonna but happen. But the entire movie is him trying to get back to his kids. The big emotional breakdown of him. Uh, of of him wasting uh, of them uh, the the engines flooding on the water planet is that he's losing time that he that he's lost decades of his life well, to, right because he still has there's still hope for him to see it so his main concern is not necessarily getting back to his his daughter he left the planet despite her I mean it, he left to save humanity and to save her at that point he was saying there's a way he could do both save humanity and see his kids again. Right, but at the climax of the movie, there wasn't a way for him to do that. At that point, he'd already been gone. Like it's past the time slip. The t- the the um the big like oh I've lost twenty three years now. I mean, if I get back to the kids, it's like you know they're not going to be back to where they to when I left them. Well, they like, they never would be. Even had they not gone to the time slip, he still made a journey of over three years. Uh, so regardless, it was going to be another at least two before he got back. So she was going to be driving and drinking by the time he got home. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, there's a distinct difference between five years or eight years, and, and he never twenty three years before he left. He never said, "I'm going to come back before you're an adult." Like he didn't put <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, but he, he said, "I'm going to come back," and he 
you know, that's what he was. He didn't put a time frame on it, so I don't. Yeah, think that's, and he he said I might maybe I'll be as will, will be the same age. Right. But what I'm saying is that the that the the very broadest terms of the movie is that he is a it's a widowed father trying like th- that is very intent on getting on seeing his kids again and going through this this. Does very... he really want to see Tom again? Though? <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't want to see. Tom. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Um, that's just in the broadest terms. That's what it is. The, when it's, so it's, much of when you scenes... break it down to the very bare, I guess. You can... Yeah, and that's that's my only. And I kind of noticed those little things here and there. And the ending with him with him stealing a stealing a ship felt a little bit on or the side borrowing. of borrowing, <laughs> like the way just on the in the in the broadest terms again. The way that it was the way that it was shown. It was just like. It felt like the way that he ended the Dark Knight Rises. It kind of felt like kind of this kind of like sweeping music, and then. I don't know how else to explain it. It just felt Nolan-y. I, I don't. If you're about to critique it, I, I, I hate when people have a problem with happy endings. And, oh no! And me not... and my brother have gotten to uh, fist fights over that. But <laughs> I, I, there's nothing wrong with a good wrapped up ending or a heartfelt ending. And just because it's a uh, intelligent, deep movie doesn't mean there has to be some obscure ending. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying like I'm not saying anything about him. Like it's fine that it's a happy ending. I don't. I. I and even I'll even commend him for not going the ambiguous, uh, ambiguous route the way that Kubrick did, um, because I I like that it's a it's a, it's a contained story and everything. But it kind of leaves off in the sense of like oh this the story's over, but you know he's still going to go after Brain. Right. It kind of felt a little bit like Dark Knight Rises, where like jo- Joseph Gordon Levitt like it's like it leaves you off with like oh the adventure continues kind of thing. It's he, he it's didn't very like that. broad. I I just it felt too much like Nolan, and I wanted a unique. Oh. Well, kind of and to being a Batman fan, it's you can't just end the the Batman story. Well, yeah, yeah. So it it's hard to for me to consider that Nolan when so I mean I feel like you've just quoted or you know talked about two movies and, and through his library. I mean I I don't think his Memento, two most recent movies two yes yeah. cor- correct most recent. But you're talking about a man that's been making movies every two years for the last decade, right? So he's got a lot of in his current library. And to just yes, his two most recent, but I I don't know necessarily that two out of what seven eight necessarily establishes yeah. uh, a Nolanism. I would say I, a trend. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It just it just felt familiar. Just the way I I can I I can't explain it that that well. And I didn't it didn't bother me that much in the in the second viewing either. It was just like kind of like a, like okay, I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it. That's fair. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just I, you hated the movie. I get it. No, I fine. didn't hate the movie, and <laughs> like when leaving the theater the first time with Tiny, and like, I, like I couldn't say anything. I was like, I was still trying to parse my words together. And that entire drive home, like I had, like, <laughs> like I had my phone with with uh, some earbuds that I listen uh, to podcasts on, and I'm like, I just drove home in complete silence, like trying to like putting together my thoughts on the movie. It took me two days to write that review on on the website. <laughs> Because I'm, I was still trying to figure out what it was. It just—it's it, a lot to process. It is. Um, I, I did the same thing. I, I drove home without the radio. I parked in my driveway for probably a good five minutes, just kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, I, I, I loved it. I knew I loved it at that point, but I was still processing the entire. I would say experience. I, it's, same here. It's an experience. Oh yeah. I knew I liked it. Um, <laughs> and I did. I did. did you do, though? I did like it. I just. I didn't. I didn't love it. I didn't. I didn't love it. I, I. I just. I liked it. I thought that it was. It was a really good movie. And I, I will say uh, that the score 
from Hans Zimmer is like one of the I don't think any any particular like piece of music in the movie beats his uh his uh his time track from Inception. I don't think it matched that, but everything else like if you take that away from from uh, Hans Zimmer's library, like this is the best score that I've heard him in a Nolan movie do. Yeah, it was it wow. Was I disagree. Really? I, yeah, I think it. I think it was a ripoff of two thousand one. I, I think they. I think they hit on the classical notes a little too much. It was the, a little too, a little too derivative. I noticed that too. But I think the main kind of medley. The um, I, I'm. I'll put it here. That um, <laughs> was was really good. I think the soundtracks. I don't think one of them needs to be better than the other. I think they were both just awesome, and they were just different in their own way. And I, I don't want to pick one over the other. I mean, I, I think. What do you uh, mean? Uh, Two thousand one over this? No, I mean, uh, like, like Inception or the Dark Knight music versus oh, in, gotcha. Interstellar. Okay. Like, I think they're gotcha. just different. I don't think one's really better than the other. That's just me. I, mean, I think it was a really good uh, depiction of like just the space ness of it. I liked. It. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, I did notice those. I I definitely noticed those little pings that that seem to uh, be called. It's almost it's almost like there's a soundtrack to space, and there's a certain amount of notes that they're allowed to to call from. <laughs> um, I th- I think two thousand one is a little bit stronger, just for the mere fact of I, I love the play of the music with. It, to me, it was almost like a ballet with everything happening yeah. in space, and I, oh, I feel yeah. like the classic. And I don't mean to was... compare the two. I right. mean, two thousand one is not score anyway; it's it's symphony, right? And, and it was boring right. like a ballet, right? And, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, parts I, of it. Parts. I, like, of it. I love that. That's one of my favorite movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, and just and my point is, my point is not to compare the two. Right. I, I think it was. I think the, it was fine. It was very well done in in Interstellar, but it was just derivative. It, it was. I don't think it was very original. The, it sure. wasn't the strongest point of the movie for me. Yeah. It wouldn't have been. I, I didn't walk out of it and like, oh man, the score. It. Oh, by the way, speaking of sound, some of the ADR work was terrible. I didn't notice any of the ADR work, but I was going to ask you if you guys experienced any of the sound issues that. Have been... uh, yes, just, just I, the mixing. Yeah. for me was bad. I had tr- there was some of the dialogue was lost uh, during my viewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. just because it was I don't a... mean I don't mean ADR performances. Okay, I mean I mean the levels. Okay, yeah. yeah the levels. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah cuz we I think me and Matt and I both experienced that at, mm-hmm. but I think the guy the guy gave an announcement before the movie and he said that they actually turned the volume up a little a little extra. It was the same in the in the the Really was movie. it? Okay. Yeah, and it's it's been reported like a lot of people have the same problems yeah, with okay. it. Okay. Like he it actually, was shaking the walls at, at my IMAX theater. It, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it over it overtook some of the dialogue. Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I I it took me out of the film experience a tad. Yeah. Nolan uh and I and I I loved some of it, like in my review, I mentioned that you can feel it in your bones. Yeah. I, I don't have a yeah. problem with yeah. the shaking of it. It's just it has to be. Uh, there has to be a balance. It, over, balance, it yeah, overtook yeah. some dialogue, like right. the scene yeah. where um, where he where he detaches from from uh, the thing when he's going into the black hole. He says something to Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I I, yeah. I, I don't know. What I he agree. Said. I don't know what he said. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, black hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he said, "All right, all right, all right." <laughs> No, I honestly I think you guys was... see you guys see on Facebook I said uh I said uh they they keep getting older and I stay the same. Age. <laughs> and, and my mom commented on like the line from Dazed and Confused with the and I was like, "Oh, mom. See, see interstellar." That's great. That that is amazing. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, here's here's one. I think Days and Confused is a more important movie than Interstellar. I think this apple is just as great as this, or is more important than this orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, they're vastly, vastly different. I don't think this is. I don't think Interstellar is an important movie, except for its depiction of hard science on screen. Yeah, uh, and people. I- yeah, and, and people say, and people are saying like, "Oh, this is 2001, and, and no. this is Kubrick." I'm like, uh, no, "No, nope, nope, it's really not, nope, nope." <laughs> right the hell it's out of that. It's unfair to uh, compare them uh, as directors. I, I think I, I, th- I, I think of Kubrick that obviously as an auteur. I don't think Christopher Nolan has quite reached. I, I don't think it's accurate to consider him an auteur at this mm-hmm. point. I, I don't see a running theme of a worldview in Nolan's films. Uh, Kubrick, I, I do. I just, yeah. I, I don't see that in Christopher Nolan's films. Yeah, and I don't, not, to, I love his films, but I just, it's just my opinion. Huh? Yeah, and I, I will say maybe my, maybe it was my expectations. I, I will admit that because, <laughs> I like I put on the on the website and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, way back uh, when was, it was about a year ago when they announced or it was last March, uh, March twenty thirteen they, when they announced the release date and announced the movie and stuff. I was like, oh, uh, November. It's not going to be a summer. Maybe it's not going to be a summer blockbuster. Maybe maybe he'll want to make. Maybe he'll try to make like an Oscar worthy kind of uh, mm-hmm. kind of like deep thinking kind it, of movie. It's not a summer blockbuster though. That you don't put that movie in in July. It's too long. It's too expositiony. Yeah, it's too. But it's still like an adventure movie. It's true. Yeah. Kind of, kind of Agreed. Thing. But it, it's. Far, I mean, it's not obviously it's not Transformers, um, right? Yeah. Right. So you know, Transformers is it's five n- hours long anyway. But it's, it's not a popcorn movie, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, let let me say, I gave Matt a ton of friction in this episode, <laughs> and it's it's not so much because I disagree with Matt or I have a problem with his opinions because I know how Matt thinks. It's mainly because I've read so many reviews of this movie, and so many people have brought up similar issues mm-hmm. that you have. Um, but the reason why I spoke out so much in this is because those people, not you, have used it to discredit the film. And oh, that's yeah. what bothers me. I know that you don't want to say, like, uh, I don't have any faith in Nolan anymore. Oh, right. The movie sucked because of this. You you never – I know that's not how you would critique this movie. Right. So that's why I wanted to put those things out there because those people suck. <laughs> and I, if those people listen to this episode, I want them to hear that, you know, you need to manage your expectations. You need to yeah. realize what's opinion and what's an actual flaw of the film. That article you know. that you linked to me that like you, like the night, the night that we saw it, uh, tiny, you sent me a message saying like, I'm going to hate the internet you yeah. know, pretty soon. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's a review for the movie. I'm not completely in love with the movie. I'm not going to click this link. So I was like, I'm going to hold off until I until I write my review. And I, I did. I wrote my review in a complete vacuum. I didn't read right. any reviews or hear any podcasts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But that review, man, oh, my God, f- that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gave the movie like one and a half stars. Yeah. That, oh, geez. Yeah. That, all right. right. That's just being a dick for the sake of being a dick. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He's being a contrarian, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Um, Having said that, though, Tiny, earlier when we first brought up the – like way earlier, you said that it inspired you. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted it to inspire me more than it did. Oh, I really? felt like in, in the first first viewing of it, I, I wanted to – and maybe this is expectations from the first teaser trailer because the first mm-hmm. teaser, teaser trailer is just Matthew McConaughey spouting his stuff, talking about mankind and how we've, uh, we've lost our way and all that stuff, um, played over the beautiful music from Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Uh, which like I I was so floored when that music popped up because I thought that maybe it would be like a mind heist kind of thing like in in 
Inception's trailer had music that wasn't in the movie because it was it was mind heist by this guy Zach uh, Helmsley or something um, that wasn't Hans Zimmer. So I thought like, oh, I really hope this this music is in the movie, and it was. But anyway, um, I didn't that first viewing. I didn't get the big sense of like, oh, mankind exploration and mankind is is going into the unknown because that's what we are as a species. We're we're resilient and all that stuff. I felt like that was really downplayed in the movie. And the second viewing, I kind of picked up on a little more not necessarily subtleties of it, but I just felt like the, that was a bit of a theme, but it was a little crowded and under all this other, uh, other stuff and subplots and stuff like I'm, that. I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear you say that you finally did recognize it. Cause it is yeah. there. They're yeah. trying. And the oh, whole yeah. thing for me feels like a critique of our government and how we treat NASA. Yeah. these days. hundred percent agree with you on yeah. that. I, I hate people that are, what are we still doing with NASA? Yeah. It, well, you wouldn't be voicing your ignorant opinion if it weren't for NASA. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love I love the scene with the teachers with yes. them, them yeah. with the textbook. Yeah, right. right. And he was like he was like, Well well, uh one of the things from the Apollo missions was, was the MRI and if we had one around we would uh, he would uh, you would have seen the cyst in my in my wife's brain. Yeah. That was a very good <laughs> yeah. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I did I slipped into it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I love that and I love the whole idea of, of like uh of them having like like Saying that it's saying that the uh, the space missions were were propaganda and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just wish that there was more of that in the movie. Uh, yeah, okay. My, I know people, I, and it pains me to say, but I know people that think that, and it just it floors me. It Tell them to me. listen to this podcast, and if you're listening to this, go f- yourself. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> there's just no convincing some people, and no matter what. You know, people put out there, and there was a brilliant MythBusters episode where they go yeah. and they rebuke some of these uh, claims. Mm-hmm. And it, no matter what you say, there's still going to be people who are like, "Well, you know, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah." What bit on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> what I what I found inspirational about the movie is the mm-hmm. fact that um, there weren't aliens, and it was like humankind saved itself, and it mm-hmm. did it through it did it through. Uh, a type of science that's so advanced it's 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 so advanced that we actually can't really comprehend it right now because of how our brains right. how limited our brains are alternate dimensions or yeah, right. higher dimensions right we we wield the power to travel between dimensions like it's it's almost you could almost make an argument it's almost like we could wield the power to see god because you know in one of these other dimensions we could find god if they exist you know what i mean so Check that's... out the secular perspective podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like that's that's completely theoretical. But it's right. you know I, I just thought it was amazing that that through this this amazing science we we save ourselves and I don't know I I, I thought it was inspirational. I can dig that. It legitimately yeah. gave me hope for NASA, and, and it shouldn't because of yeah. nothing in the last <laughs> don't, few don't years. Don't get your hopes up, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's it's nice to see that there are thinkers out there that still have hope that some of this can happen. And obviously, the reason they're out in space is because you know governments have messed up so much that it's now a necessity. But I mm-hmm. I still like to think that since there are people out there imagining that we can do it, that eventually we'll start giving. NASA a couple more dollars. It's almost interesting they went the NASA route because the science advisor on the movie was Kip Thorne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he actually wrote a companion book to go along with the movie that was, I think, released around the same time. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, the same day, maybe, even. Um, and I think, was it Kip Thorne? I think he was 
he was also a science advisor on the movie Contact. Is that right? He wrote the book Contact. I thought, no, Carl, I thought was, Carl Sagan wrote. Carl no, Sagan. no, you're right. Carl yeah. Sagan wrote. But yeah, I think Kip, I think they they subscribe to the same scientific principles. Yeah. Like I think maybe Kip Thorne was right. educated by Carl Sagan, maybe. And so in Contact, NASA's not really present. It's actually a it's it's the private or no wait NASA. It, it be, NASA is present at the beginning, but right. it ends up being a privateer that right. ends up funding the uh, project. The private billionaire guy right. gets everybody together and they build a whole other. Ship and stuff, right? right. Other, so, which how are you gonna build that entire thing and nobody exactly. knows? I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't hate Contact, but I hated that. I liked the movie Contact, but that was a big flaw. I'm also starring Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, also Matthew McConaughey. So, so it's, it is interesting that they went with NASA as opposed to a private right. thing because it's it sort of seems that's kind of how split. That's where space exploration is headed. Is it's going to be privatized? That's where it is now. I mean, SpaceX. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of the couple weeks ago's incident. Mm, uh, yeah, I was really so, sad to see that fail. Because mm-hmm. I'm all for the privatizing of uh, space exploration. If if our government's not going to fund it, yeah. it's got to be somebody eccentric like that. I'm yeah. for whatever works. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I was super excited about the whole uh, comet landing, the Rosetta mission. That was yeah. very cool. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, just the the mere fact of landing on something that's going traveling hundred thousand miles through space. Mm-hmm. It's just I love the precision of it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful to me. But right, there's a really cool diagram that shows just all the all the intricacies of the math involved in right. that. It was it was mind blowing. Uh, yeah, Mike, what do you think about all this? <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, well, we're at like we're at ninety minutes. Crap. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. That that flies by. It does. It does yeah. yeah, every week. <laughs> That's why we have to skip potpourri so often. Um, yeah. But let's just to kind of wrap things or wind things down. What let's restate what we thought of the movie. I it's not that I didn't hate the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate the movie. I didn't dislike the movie. I just felt underwhelmed by the potential the the potential of the movie. I felt like this could have been Christopher Nolan's chance to make maybe something off the beaten path of what he's what he, what he's been making in terms of like this big adventure thing and i mean i understand that there are there are things to that that it it couldn't be this really intellectual thing he couldn't make it 2001 um for financial reasons even um but i I just felt like this could have been a a big point in his career where he created something that um would have i could have connected to more but instead it just felt kind of it was it was spectacular but it wasn't different if that makes sense, mm-hmm. at all. I actually that's the first thing that you've said so far, <laughs> and, and I'm not to say that in a no, seriously, right. that's the first thing that has made some sense to me about your critique. It, it, right. it didn't didn't change uh, anything. Uh, it was a fantastic movie, but it, it you know it, it didn't inspire you, nor did it really create anything different. And right. I, I get that critique. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, your opinion is of the majority. Right. That is that is kind of what people are saying. We you mentioned briefly how it was released in November. Uh, We talked about how it's not a summer blockbuster. And so then the opposite, of course, is is it is it Oscar bait? Uh, And it's not. I mean, the the reviews are that it's not going to be, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I don't don't think it should be. Uh, No. And and that's kind of my thing is I don't think so either. Uh, And to to restate, Matt, uh, I just I'm going to have to come down between. The two of you guys, it is not nearly my favorite of the year, um, but I don't, I don't, wouldn't say I was disappointed, but mm. I'm kind of just in agreement with everybody else. It was, it was pretty good. 
Okay. Yeah. Where do you guys think it ranks with Nolan's filmography? Mm. I oh, have geez. I have such a love for the Batman series just because being a comic book nerd, right. I, I thought his take on it was brilliant. So it's hard for me to answer that. Uh, Memento, I, I'm not going to answer that. I can't. <laughs> I, I don't like rankings to begin with. Uh, nope. Yeah. Answer. I'd say it's it's in his top half for me. Um, I think Inception was maybe a smidge better. I've only seen, the problem is I've only seen it once, and I've seen in, Interstellar. Interstellar. I was going to say I've only seen Interstellar once. <laughs> um, but everything else of his, I've seen at least two or three times, yeah. maybe even four times. Um, and so that that's hard to make. It's hard to put. I can't really. Right. Same as Fekas. I can't really do that right now. Michael? I'll get back to you. <laughs> I mean, uh, Interstellar did what you hoped this movie would do, for me, at least. Okay. It, it was a wow movie, so... Me too. Um, and also, I think Dark Knight is above above all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. This is, this is three or four. It's been a couple of years since I've seen mm-hmm. Memento, but I don't know. I would... Just off the top of my head, and I don't like rankings either, if I guess, but I mean, Memento, Memento, Dark Knight, Inception, uh, probably Interstellar after that. If you ask me what his weakest one, I'd say Prestige. I, I, I didn't love Prestige. Yeah. It's insomnia. Eh. You know what? I have not seen yeah. Insomnia, uh, so I I should. Yeah. I think I, Insomnia and Following are, are kind of his weaker ones. But, I mean, that's not really a fault of his. He didn't write the right. script for Insomnia, and he didn't... I mean, following is his first movie. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you guys want to do a quick round of Potpourri? Not particularly. Not particularly? In fact, has you got anything for it? No. <laughs> no? Okay, that's Hey, fine. I'm the guest. I don't make decisions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Mike, do you got anything? Oh, uh, not really. No. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll just say briefly, I rewatched her today, and it looks really good on Blu-ray. Nice. And it's really, really awesome. I need to second view that. I, I watched so it for the good. first time a couple weeks ago, and I liked it, but uh, I, I maybe perhaps I have the uh, Matt Hurt reaction to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that about do it then? Yep. Yeah, I think so. Yep. So do you guys hate me? <laughs> no. no. No, not at all. Yeah. If anything, I understand it a little bit more. Yeah, and I mean, I'll revisit. I'll buy. Oh, yeah, forgot that point. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, uh, can't say it. <laughs> really quick, uh, Coop's uh, flight, his his flight crash uh, thing. It's it's it seems like it's just to establish that he was a that he worked for NASA and he was an astronaut, and it doesn't really go anywhere. He has he has dreams about it, and then I mean, there's also that when you watch it a second time, you, it sticks out kind of in a like really Nolan kind of way where he wakes up after dreaming about the crash, and then like uh, Murph is there, and her first line of the movie is, "I thought you were my ghost." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, hmm. really?" I uh, you know I almost forgot about the that the dream sequence on that. Yeah, it, because it's it's not really it's that forgettable. It is, and it's it's not really used to uh, for anything. It's exposition that doesn't really have a purpose or or a payoff. Even uh, there's a reference to it being caused by a gravitational anomaly, but I didn't I couldn't connect that to what happened or why it happened or anything that happened later in the right. later in the movie. Um, it's. It's Coop's introduction to the movie. Sorry, Tiny. Uh, it's Coop's introduction to the movie, and I feel like it should have had more payoff rather than establishing that he, this this farmer used to be an astronaut. Yeah, uh, it, it went somewhere and it had a payoff, but it was so small 
that it, it was like kind of insignificant. I, I saw it as it was uh, that his wreck or his crash was a huge motivator for him wanting to kind of redeem himself. And I think it played a, a part in him wanting to actually pilot the mission. Maybe he was the only one that could properly do it. Yeah, uh, that's that's I think what the, what the case was. I right. don't so I don't it, I didn't get any like him propelling propelling him to do that because uh, I think Michael Caine says like this is the mission that you that you were training for. I don't know if he means that literally or if this is like in, in terms of fate and destiny or something. Right. He was probably meant to be one of the original uh, probing astronauts. Maybe I don't, maybe I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Uh, also, it seemed a little like when rewatching it, it seemed like. They kind of laid it on a little bit thick that man that man uh, Matt Damon wasn't uh, wasn't you know was going to turn because his they're talking about like these are the bravest people like referring to the uh, the original mission saying like these are the bravest men and uh, women in human existence and then man he was the most brilliant person ever <laughs> there's no way he would there's turn. no way that he's going to turn they say uh, she said he was the best of us the best of us and yeah. they say that like two or three times to the movie right. and I'm like. I didn't really pick up on it the first viewing, but the second viewing, I was like, that kind of stuck out to me yeah. as telegraphing a little too much. Huh. But yeah. Um, Hindsight. You already saw it. Yeah. yeah we just yeah. got out of this review and then right back, yeah. right back into it. It was like we were in a black hole and something. It's a three-hour movie with so many. Uh, yeah. Wait until we do a it commentary It is. And you know what's it. weird is we recorded this one first, listeners, and it's totally part of our <laughs> perspective. <laughs> oh, that would be... Mike, what? That should have been a time travel. I'm just going to leave the pod chat now. <laughs> Drop the you already did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Yeah. Um, just want to say before we go to the uh, the pre recorded outros, uh, this week on the blog, I'm, I think I'm going to release this on Thursday. So this week and next week, uh, I'm going to have. Decade reviews of the day after tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to eventually <laughs> post my Halloween Blu-ray review and also a decade review of uh, Night of the Living Dead. Both I'm really embarrassed about my t- 2004 review for them. <laughs> um, also, Horrible Bosses 2 review should come up. But um, yeah, uh, uh, next week, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to be at Starbase Indy. Um, we're going we're gonna to have a panel on that Sunday about the next summer uh, the summer movie season, uh, summer movie preview, and we're going to have a booth there and have a bunch of stuff. So come check it out. It's, uh, it seems like a pretty cool, like science fiction, uh, Star Trek centric, uh, event here in Indianapolis. Um, then you can go to starbaseindy.com for that or just Google Starbase Indy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, you know, yeah, that about do it. That about do it. That'll do all it. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. And, thanks for uh, having me. It was you know, a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. It was good to have thanks, you. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. You know, they've evolved <laughs> to different creatures in my mind uh, for I Am Legend, but that's just my opinion. Gotcha. And I love Will Smith. He's sexy. Everybody loves Will Smith. <laughs> I do, too. According to the tabloids, Jada Pekin doesn't, but, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, didn't they get divorced? I don't know. I, I, the only thing time I read tabloids is, you know, supermarket, there it is, front right. page yeah. stuff. So Yeah, me too. My original tattoo artist, though, uh, he knew Jada Pinkett and Will Smith. He used to work with them in Los Angeles, and he said that you couldn't find two nicer people in the world and nice. that all hmm. the stuff in the tabloids was a bunch of nonsense, which is surprises hmm. because that's where I go for my news. <laughs> <laughs>
That tattoo artist? Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, must ink faster. Must ink faster. <laughs> I, don't I don't know why. Oh, that's beautiful. That's awesome. <laughs> that is beautiful. Man, I feel like you've been saving that joke, but I know you haven't been. I haven't. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's impressive. Thank you for downloading or streaming the latest episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. The music you heard at the top of the episode and right now is provided by Loudlike. Their EP, Mistakes We Must Make, features our theme song and Eclipse of Events. You can find that on iTunes, and while you're there, please rate and review them and us uh, and let us know what you think. Also, uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. Follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. And also check out ObsessiveViewer.com for reviews of movies, TV shows, and industry commentary. Uh, Also, check out ObsessiveBookNerd.com for book reviews and commentary on the evolving world of reading. And also Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, is a podcast exploring the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, and at TheSecularPerspective.com. Finally, you can email us at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or email the podcast directly at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.